Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is Wine School Dropout. I'm your host, Tanisha Townsend, better known as Girl Meets Glass. Once upon a time, I too felt lost in the wine world, but then I started asking questions. A lot of questions. How long can I keep wine after I open my red wine stew? A region? Why do people slip wine? This tastes like berries. How is that even possible? In my mind, wine was this world where rich people hang out, speak fluent wine, and pay extravagant prices for bottles from places that sound vaguely French. Places that a lot of people can only dream of. But wine is for all. So, let's start at the beginning. What exactly is wine? Earliest evidence of wine produced from grapes was found in Armenia in 4100 BC. These grapes have so much history, they belong to their own distinct category, historic world, like Jurassic World, but for grapes. The one technological advance that really changed the winemaking game was pottery. With the creation of pottery came the big jars to store grapes. People used to leave them for days on end, then return to find that they tasted a bit different. But Armenians weren't the only ancient civilization to figure out that grapes could be fermented to become wine. Because wine is more of a discovery than an invention, historians have found proof that everyone, from the Chinese to the Sumerians to the Romans, had some version of wine, so it's a bit difficult to say who did it first. But there are some stories passed down in oral tradition that can tell us a little about how it might have happened. Version 1. Picture it. Greece. A long, long time ago. A Greek god named Dionysus is hanging out in the beautiful Greek countryside when he discovers grapes. After some time, he learns that their juice changed flavors and became wine. Eureka! He probably exclaimed. He then travels to all the lands to teach people about grapes and wines and parties, of course. Version 2. A Persian princess had an argument with her dad and tried to kill herself by drinking a jar of spoiled grapes. Instead of dying, she felt better and happier. She was more fun. So fun, in fact, that her dad and all the servants liked this new personality. She got back in her father's good graces and, well, let a few more grapes spoil before she drank them. Either way, 
What matters is that our ancestors found wine and it tasted good. After our princess and Greek god discovered wine, it spread fairly quickly. The Italians and the Greeks learned about wine from traveling traders and merchants from Phoenicia. Religion also played a role in helping spread the word about wine. Christian monks wrote down everything they knew about wine, which allowed France to develop and perfect its winemaking skills to become known for it around the world. Of course, with its discovery came the critics. People realized that different regions could produce different grapes, which meant different tastes. And so began the Battle of the Wine Regions. In this corner, we have the champion of champions whose monks passed on their knowledge to all the wine growers in the country over the course of several centuries with seven regions and 50 million hectoliters of wine produced a year, about 16% of global wine output. It's the home to the OG king of wines, France. And the underdog, almost three quarters the size of its competitors, accounting for 90% of its country's wine production, with 1,200 vineyards of Spanish origin and making over 1.53 billion U.S. dollars in export revenue today, California, USA. Ladies and gentlemen, I present the Judgment of Paris. In 1976, many centuries after our Persian princess discovered wine, there was a wine competition to see whose wine was better, the red wines from Bordeaux, France, or the Cabernet Sauvignons from California. To the surprise of the judges, who were all French, Californian wine rated best in each category, despite France being generally considered the foremost producer of the world's best wines. The press called it the Judgment of Paris as a reference to a Greek story. In this story, Zeus, the king of the gods, had a party for some friends, but didn't invite Eris. So, Eris shows up uninvited and to stir things up, sets up a competition to find the most beautiful goddess and makes Paris, a regular guy, the judge. Paris picked Aphrodite, who gave him Helen of Troy, which, long story short, started the Trojan War. A bit dramatic to compare it to that, but it was, after all, a battle of the wine regions. Anyway, the critics weren't the only ones drinking wine, and from ancient times until today, wine has gone from being a beverage of royalty to one that can be consumed by people of all classes and races around the world. So, wine school dropouts. How do we go from princesses and duels about beauty to boxed wine at your local Walmart? Here's one theory. During the French Revolution, sanitation was a problem. So much a problem that people drank wine because it was safer to drink than water. It was also very cheap. So it was common for the poor to drink it with their baguette and nothing else. Or another, through religion. In the Middle Ages, wine was the common drink of all social classes in the South, where grapes were cultivated. In the North and East, few grapes were grown, so the wine had to be exported. This was quite expensive, so seldom consumed by the lower class. But 
wine was used in the celebration of the Catholic Mass. So having wine in supply was not just necessary, but critical. Enter the Benedictine monks. They became one of the largest producers of wine in France, owning vineyards in Champagne. Ever heard of Dom Perignon? He was a Benedictine monk. Burgundy and Bordeaux in France. And so, wine became the beverage of the people. It's why you can go into any grocery store in France and find a bottle for less than four euro. France drinks about 43.1 liters of wine per capita per year. That's 5.6 glasses per week. And that democratization of wine is shared by neighboring countries as well. Today, the wine industry is estimated to reach 423.59 billion U.S. dollars in revenue by 2023. And each country has created their own distinct wine culture, drinking it for different reasons, seasons, and situations. The French drink it with dinner and sometimes lunch. The Americans drink it for health reasons and for fun, let's be honest. The British drink it to celebrate. The Spanish drink it with tapas and so on. So what does all this mean? Simple, whether it's boxed, canned, imported from an unpronounceable place, expensive or cheap, people buy and drink wine for whatever reason they damn well please. And that's what's so great about it. Whew, that was a lot to go through. Facts, figures, history. Here's the Cliff Notes version. One, wine makes you more fun, as demonstrated by a Persian princess. Two, California wines were better than French wines in 1976. Three, you don't need to be a wine expert to enjoy wine because wine is for all. Tell us about the first time you tasted wine on Twitter using the hashtag WineForAll and tagging WSD Podcast. Please drink responsibly. This episode was produced by Studio Ochenta, hosted by me, Tanisha Townsend. Our executive producer is Lori Martinez. Music by Gabrielle Damaso and Makai Beats. Art by Tiffany DeLoon. Follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at WSDropoutPod. And for more shows from the rest of the team at Studio Ochenta, check out at Ochenta Podcast. Until next time, sit back, relax, and have a glass. Please drink responsibly. Ochenta. A pop of the bottle, the bubbles in the glass. These are just a few things we love about champagne. Did you know it's only an hour and a half drive from Paris? Why not take a guided tour around the region with your fave wine expert, Girl Meets Glass? We'll travel along the wine route to Champagne for the day and visit houses to taste and learn all about how Champagne is made. For more details or to book your tour, visit girlmeetsglass.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.